turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're going to be continuing on uh, transformed living. Transformed living. And we've uh, gone through verse 1 and 2, and tonight we're going to be focusing on verses 3 to 5. Uh, but we'll go ahead and we'll read from verse number 1, again, as a reminder, up to verse number 5. The Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. So we've gone through this passage, and we're looking at transformed living, and we went through verse number one, and we looked at the Apostle Paul and his um, his appeal to us as believers, and he he bases this appeal upon the mercies of God, and we had looked at mercy, and it, mercy is not getting what we deserve, and he goes through. We went through this passage here in verse one to two, and we we saw really how the Christian life is changed as a believer, and how we should be allowing God to transform our life, and what we should be giving to God based on His mercies to us. We see that we should be presenting our bodies a living sacrifice that it should be wholly acceptable unto God, and it's our reasonable service because of the mercies that God has shown to us. And then we looked at last time at not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind and proving God's will in your life and be able to discern God's will for our life. So as the Apostle Paul here, he continues, and he um, he's continuing on through this and continuing this uh, uh, transformed life, and it moves from uh, how a Christian's life has changed as a believer to what we're doing uh, to other believers and our relationship with uh, the church. The Apostle Paul here is he's giving us insight to how we are to live our lives as redeemed. And I hope everyone here today, if you're a believer, if you're saved, I hope you're living your life as someone who is redeemed. In living in the life in the light of the grace that's been shown to us and the mercy that's been shown to us. And the Apostle Paul here in verse number 3, he says, For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you. And here he's talking about this grace. Now, we know that mercy is not getting what we deserve, but we see that grace is getting what we don't deserve. And here we see the Apostle Paul, he speaks on the authority of grace shown to him. And if anyone has the authority to speak and direct churches and tell them what to do, it would be the Apostle Paul. People recognized his authority. Uh, God had called him. God had transformed him. Uh, God was using him greatly. And the churches knew this. They, they, see, they had seen what he was doing. They had seen the work that he had started. They'd see, they, they were receiving these letters, and they knew about the Apostle Paul. Yet still... 
with the type of authority that he had, the type of work that he was doing, Paul still had a humble, a humble spirit. Instead of addressing people and saying, you know, this is what you need to do because I say, he's saying, look, based upon the mercies of God, and now in verse number three, he's saying, for I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you. He's speaking humbly based upon the grace of God. And here he levels the field for everyone. Maybe he could have addressed them differently, approached from an authority standpoint, and others may not have accepted it. But when he levels it out and says, based upon the grace of God, based upon the grace that's been shown to me, and we're going to look at that, why that's so important, that he's saying, the grace that's shown to me, I'm addressing you now because of this. When he says, but based upon the grace that God has shown to me, of all people, he's shown me grace, then you can humble yourselves too. And he goes on to speak about that, about not thinking about ourselves highly. And I want, first of all, I want to examine this grace and why it's so powerful coming from the Apostle Paul. You know, if anyone's going to speak about the grace shown in their life, you're going to want to listen to the Apostle Paul. I'm going to uh, turn to the book of Acts. And if you turn to Acts uh, chapter 9 with me this evening, and we're going to examine a few passages tonight, and we're going to see what this grace that Paul is talking about in his life, this grace that he experienced in his life, and therefore is beseeching us once again. Acts chapter 9, and starting at verse number 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell uh, fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the man which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did he did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. And the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. 
And Ananias went his way and entered into the house. And putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales. And he received sight forwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on his name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priest? But Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. And here we see this amazing conversion of the Apostle Paul. You know, someone who was persecuting Christians. He was there for the very purpose on his way to Damascus with the authority to anyone that's speaking the name of Jesus Christ, proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, that he can abound them and put them into jail. And the life of the Apostle Paul is an amazing picture of grace. You know, the multitudes of people who had witnessed Saul, they had heard the name Saul published around the land and his reputation for throwing Christians in jail. You know, the people that had heard him after his conversion, they said, is this not the one that was throwing people into jail? Ananias even said this, you know, he, he has authority to, to throw people in jail. They, know, they knew about him. He had a reputation And people knew this. They, they knew that he had authority from the chief priest. But this same multitude is now seeing him transformed. They're seeing him change. They're seeing him preaching the same name that he was throwing people in jail for proclaiming. So Paul knows something about grace. He experienced the grace of God in his life. You know, you look at someone in life like that, the past that they had, And you say, what kind of life is that? That they're persecuting the church. They're persecuting Christians. And yet still, God says to Ananias that he is my vessel and I'm going to use him. And he's going to reach Jews. He's going to reach Gentiles. He's going to reach kings. And he was used greatly. And God showed grace in the life of Paul. And Paul knew this grace. It was something so real in his life. In 1 Timothy 1, verse 11, uh, Paul here is speaking, and he says, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God, which which was committed to my trust, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of who I am chief. And the Apostle Paul, he has no qualms about his past. He has no qualms saying, look, I was the worst of the worst. Jesus Christ came to save sinners, and I am the chief of them. I will raise my hand and say, I was right there. I was the one that was blaspheming and persecuting. I was the one injuring. I was doing these great uh, things against the church and persecuting 
God's people. And he says, I am chief. But he says, he's thankful that God had enabled him, putting him into the ministry. That is a picture of grace. God was still going to use someone who had such a past. And if Paul, the chiefest of sinners, can experience the grace of God and live accordingly, then anyone can. And that's his reasoning here, addressing people, saying, by the grace of God, when he's addressing us here in Romans chapter 12. Paul was a true picture of grace. Today, as believers, we need to rise up and we need to live according to what has been done for us, just as the Apostle Paul did. The mercy that's been shown to us, the grace that's been shown to us. You know, Christians love the fact that we're saved and that we have a home in heaven. But oftentimes when we live this life, we don't think about the grace that's being shown to us. We, we don't think about the mercy that has been shown to us. And we feel entitled. That, that's, that's just the life that I deserve. But we need to be living every day in the light of what's been done for us. Be living like someone who has been redeemed. Transformed living is living in a light of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul was doing and how he lived his life. You know, early believers lived this way with mercy and grace at the forefront of their lives and did amazing things for God. You know, you read about these believers, you read these early churches, you read through the Acts of the Apostles, what, what, how amazing things they did for God and how God used them. You know, if we today as believers would walk in light of grace and mercy shown to us, live a transformed life and allow God to use us, how great things can God work through us in our church? Paul was the chief of sinners. And then there's one more thing I'm going to touch on about uh, the grace that was shown to Paul and how he lived in light of this grace in his life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we hear about this thorn in the flesh that Paul is talking about. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, the Bible says, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelation, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So the Apostle Paul has this thorn in the flesh and we're not, we're, we're not exactly sure what this thorn is. There's some theories about it, but he has this thorn in the flesh, this, this physical thing in his life that is, is, is uh, taking a toll on his body and he, he, he beseeches the Lord and says, can you take this away from me? Three times he goes to God and God says, my grace is sufficient for thee. And the amazing thing, with Paul living in the light of grace that is shown in his life, he counted this thorn as a blessing in his life. He wanted to live with grace at the forefront, so he realized, this is God being gracious in my life. You know, he didn't want to go back to where he thought he was doing a service for God by throwing Christians into jail. You know, at one point when he was Saul of Tarsus, he was doing those things and he thought he was doing God a favor. And then he was shown this grace, despite the the atrocities that he had done, he was shown this grace and he said, you know, I don't want to go back to where I thought I was the big boss. I don't want to go back where I was 
working with the chief priests, throwing people in the jail. He goes, I don't want to be in a position where I forget the grace of God. And he counted it a blessing saying, if I'm going to live in the light of grace that's been shown in my life, I'm going to be thankful for the thorn in my flesh. That's going to remind me that the grace that God has shown to me. He always wanted to remember what Christ had done for him. He wanted to remember how he had lived a transformed life. He wanted to remain humble, and he always wanted to give God all the glory. He understood what God had planned for his life. We see that in Acts uh, chapter 9. We read in verse number 15 when uh, the Lord is speaking to Ananias, and he says, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Verse number 16 says, For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. You know, we talked about this morning about being followers of Christ. And the Apostle Paul was a follower of Christ, and he realized that he was going to have to suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ. So today, as a believer, we go through things in our lives. And you can call it and say, you know, what's your thorn in the flesh that you're experiencing? That's keeping you living and focused based on that grace shown to you. You know, where in your life can you look back and say, this is where God has placed a mark in my life where I can look to that and I can be reminded and said, God has been gracious in my life. God has been merciful to me. You know, I think of Jacob when he wrestled with that with the angel of the Lord and he touched his hip and, and threw that off. And he lived always remembering the goodness and the grace that God had shown to him. It was a reminder constantly in his life. And many of us here today, we have those marks in our lives. We have those so-called thorns in our flesh where we're re- being reminded on a daily basis of what God has done for us. Or do you have something in your life, something in your past maybe, and you look at it and you and it's a point of bitterness in your life? My challenge you tonight, live in light of the grace that God has shown to you. Look at those moments in your life. Look at those marks in your life where God has touched your life and He's reminding you of how gracious He has been to you. Paul says, by the grace of God, which He has all authority to address us by, Based on what we've read, he's saying, by the grace of God, don't think too highly of yourself, but soberly, think clearly about the service, your service in light of the grace that has been shown in your life, in light of the mercy that has been shown to you. So that's um, how he addressed these people. He's saying, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you. And the Apostle Paul, as no one, there's no one better that can say, by the grace of God, and address his people. And he goes on to say in our passage here, in Romans chapter 12, verse number 3, he says, Through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. It's a warning. You know, I'm picturing a warning sign, a beware sign. You know, don't think of yourself higher than you ought to think. Paul here, he's not telling the believer uh, to take an attitude that, that finds pleasure in humiliation or anything like that, but rather the idea is that we should see the truth about ourselves and live in light of it. When we see ourselves as we really are, then it, it's, it's impossible to be given over to pride. When we look about uh, at how God has shown grace in our lives and what God has given to us, if we're looking at ourselves as who we truly are, then we're going to be avoiding pride. And Paul knows 
about the sin of pride. He knows that pride is persistent. He knows that pride is destructive. And he's warning them. He's saying, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Everyone here today struggles with pride. It's something that we probably struggle with on a daily basis. Um, oftentimes, it could be in a, a sense that you wouldn't even think of it as pride. But everyone struggles with that pride. And Paul here is warning us, we need to humble ourselves. We need to be humble in light of the grace that's been shown to us. As we continue in this passage, um, and he talks about that God has dealt every man the measure of faith, or he's, he's gifted us with different things, Paul here is saying that in light of these things that God has given us, don't think too highly of yourselves. You know, some people, they look at their life and they look at what God has given them, and it's easy for us to overvalue the gifts that God has given to us. It's easy to think too highly of ourselves. You know, look at what God has given me to do. You know, how often do we compare ourselves with what we're doing to others and what they've been uh, given to do? You know, you have something going on in your life and you, you're maybe you're uh, reaching people and you're seeing people saved, and then you, you start comparing yourselves to other people and what they're doing. But that's not what we ought to be doing. We shouldn't be thinking of ourselves too highly. You know, God has gifted everyone with different gifts. God has given everyone different responsibilities. And we need to be humbly serving and humbly living in the light of grace. You know, spiritual gifts uh, doesn't equal spiritual maturity. So just because a person has many spiritual gifts or they're very talented in, in specific ways, it doesn't mean that they are spiritually mature or that they're even a worthy example of that gift that's been given to them. You know, people can say, well, look at me. I've given my life as a living sacrifice. I've given it all to God. But that's not how we should be living because Paul had told us because of the mercies of God. You know, I've been given the opportunity and ability to serve in this capacity. I've been able to do this. Look how God's using me. But Paul here is saying, humble ourselves because of the grace of God. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12, it says, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. You know, this morning we, we spoke about, I spoke about the scribes and the Pharisees. You know, if we're not careful, if, we, if we're thinking about ourselves higher than we ought to, if we don't humble ourselves, we can become like those scribes and Pharisees. We could be giving empty service to God, vain religion, men pleasers, instead of living humbly, serving humbly, and living in the light of the grace that has been shown to us already. So he tells us here not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. And he goes on to say, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. To think soberly, and we've talked about this before, it's talking about having a clear mind, clear thinking, being able to see clearly. And he's here, here he's saying we need to think clearly. What has God given to me? What responsibilities has God given to me? You know, there are those who believe they have nothing to offer and that they hold no value. Even though they may recognize Jesus as the Savior, they still feel like they're nothing, even in God's eyes. And they say, how can God use me? And Paul is not telling us that we should despise ourselves or that we're worthless. He says that we need to see ourselves honestly and accurately. 
So when we think soberly and we look at ourselves, sometimes it's uh, some people overvalue their gifts, but at the same time, on the flip side, some people will undervalue their gifts. They'll look at their life and say, well, what can I do? What do I have to offer? And maybe today you undervalue your gifts. Maybe you're living in light of the past. You look at your abilities and say, well, and you compare yourselves to those that are around you. You compare yourselves to, to uh, people that you see in church. Maybe you're, you're saying, well, I can't speak like that. Or I'm not eloquent like that. I'm not as talented. But we need to be reminded that by the grace of God, we're serving. By the grace of God, we're going to be humble and realize that God has given us gifts and God is going to use us. But undervaluing ourselves sometimes can be an issue of pride as well. A prideful thing saying, well, I, I don't really want to put myself out there. You're gifted, but you don't want to be used by God because you're, it's, a, it's a prideful thing saying, well, God can't use me. But you need to remember that we're all created in the image of God. God wants to use us. Just like the Apostle Paul, when he was saying, you know, I'm the chiefest of sinners. And he's saying, look at the grace that God has shown to me. He says, he's going to, to Ananias, he's going to be my vessel. I'm going to use him. You know, think about that. And Paul's saying that when he addressed them, saying, by the grace of God, he's saying, you know, <laughs> you can get any worse than me. So if God's going to show me grace and he's shown grace in your life, then you can live in light of that grace too. And you need to remember that everyone here today has been gifted by God, have been given talents, been given things to use for God. And you need to learn what those things are and use them to the best of your ability and hone those skills and try to use them to give glory and honor to God and to reach others for Jesus Christ. You know, oftentimes, the, the ones who don't think you have the abilities, you don't think that you can do it, you're the one that God's going to use mightily. That's prime example throughout the Word of God, throughout the Scripture. Men who said, God, you can't use me. You don't know who I am. And God says, watch me. Watch what I'll do to you because I'm going to get the glory. Because there's no other reasoning, there's no other answer other than that God has worked through you. And today, let me tell you, if you think that you're one of those people and say, well, I, I don't know my gift, I don't have a talent, I don't know if I can do anything. I don't know if I could reach other people. You're a prime candidate tonight for God to use you, but you need to be willing to let him use it. You need to humble yourselves and allow him to use you. You know, I think about even as long as I've been here at the church and seeing people around the church different times of the week, different hours on a Sunday morning, early on and things happening behind the scenes but people using their talents and i'm not talking about getting up in front of the church doing things i'm talking about doing things that will benefit the church service but no one else would know they're doing it behind the scenes and there's people out there using their gifts to serve god they're doing things that aren't what we would normally think of when we think of gifts no, I'm up here tonight speaking about being gifted, and we automatically assume, well, he's talking about playing an instrument, or singing a special, or playing the piano, or speaking, or giving a testimony, but it isn't necessarily those things. What can God use in your life to reach other people? What can God get the glory and honor through in your life? You know, I think about prayer warriors, prime example. You know, maybe there's people that can't go out door knocking, but then you see the group of people that are here at the church praying for those that are going out. 
I think of my own life. You know, I've always said, I don't think I'd be here today if it wasn't for my mom's prayers. And when I'd walk by in the morning and I'd see my mom on her bed with her Bible praying. And she was praying for me. She's praying for my two older brothers. And I don't think I'd be here without her. I think of other prayer warriors. I think about a dear old lady that the church I grew up in in Kitchener. Her name was Mrs. Martin. I might have mentioned her before, but she was this little Mennonite lady. And I feel like every time I see her, she gets smaller. But she's, our, she's really up in age. And sweetest lady, but she was a prayer warrior. Every Sunday night before the church service, she'd be there with other ladies praying for the church service, praying for others, praying for the missionaries. I remember going off to Bible college, and I got a letter in the mail, and it, it was from her, and she said, you know, I'm sorry that I couldn't send a, a big care package, but here's a letter of encouragement. I'm praying for you. And she had a little chocolate bar tied to that. She sent it there just to encourage. You know, that's a great, amazing gift if you have the gift to encourage people. You can come alongside someone and encourage them. You know, I know some people that wouldn't be able to get up and speak in front of people. They wouldn't be able to uh, sing or do something like that. But man, they can go and they can come up next to someone and encourage them. Encourage them in their life. Help them in their walk with Christ on the side. That is a gift that you could be using to give glory and honor to God. I remember Mrs. Martin, she would serve in any way that she could. She was always praying. But she would get up and she would come up behind the platform and she would sing a solo. And I specifically heard her singing this song, I wonder have I done my best for Jesus, who died upon the cruel tree. To think of his great sacrifice at Calvary, I know my Lord expects the best from me. How many are the lost that I have lifted? How many are the chained I've helped to free? I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for me? You know, Mrs. Martin, she was living in the light of the grace that had been shown to her. You know, she was willing to come up, and you know, she wasn't the most amazing singer you've ever heard, but she said, you know what, I'm going to get up and do my best for Jesus. I'm going to do all that I can because of what he has done for me. You know, Christian today, how has God gifted you? What does he want you to use in your life? You know, as, as believers tonight, we need to step it up. You know, we need to think soberly. We need to, to get to a place where we bring ourselves up to the grace and mercy that has been shown to us. We need to start living like we are redeemed. You know, sometimes we think of ourselves as indispensable. You know, don't you, don't you know who I am, God? You know, what I'm doing here at this church, how long I've been involved. Don't you know the ministries that I'm already doing? You know, you can't use me somewhere else. And we don't want God to use us in a different capacity or to, or to move us on. As soon as we think we're indispensable and that God can't use us somewhere else or, or that he can't use us in any way, we've lost sight of the grace that God has shown us in our life. And we need to be living in the light of that every day in our lives. You know, I think of, I think of even last Sunday night, uh, Brother Logan, he was a pastor of our church when God called him to that to that uh, mission, to reaching those people in those closed countries. I think of uh, missionary Eddie Ray um, over in China. He was a pastor of our church for many years. He was later in life when God says, you know what, I want you to go to China. No, if those men were to say, God, don't you know what I'm doing already? Don't you know what I've already given you? they would have lost sight of the grace of God. But they decided, I'm going to live the life that God has redeemed me for. I'm going to live 
in light of the mercy that's been shown to me and the grace that's been shown to me. And I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Even though I'm in my 30s and I've been pastoring this church for many years, I'm going to go to China I'm going to learn a new language. One of the hardest languages in the world at a late age. And he did that and he's serving there faithfully and all his three sons are over there married serving in China today because he was living in light of the grace that was shown to him. Never think that you're indispensable and saying, God, I'm already doing something for you. We need, to, we need to think soberly. Look at your life and say, what has God given to me? What am I supposed to be doing with my talents and my gifts that has God has given to me? So Paul here, he addresses these things with us and what God has given to us and that he, he starts to speak about the church and how this shouldn't only affect our, our transformed life and how we've given ourselves a living sacrifice and how we need to think soberly and realize and think humbly what God has done for us. He said, okay, now we're going to go and move this into the church in light of the body of, of Christ and what we need to be doing. He says, for us, we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office. This grace flows into our relationship with other believers in the church. It says we are many in one body, and we all have different functions, but none is less important. You know, you think about our anatomy, you think about the specific body parts that we have. They all function differently, but make up our body as a whole. You know, it's amazing when you study it out, different parts. You know, the best way to learn about your body is when something goes wrong. Because you go to the doctor and they tell you, well, this is why this isn't working. And that's why you're seeing these side effects. And you learn about, okay, that's really neat how the body works, how it all works together, and how God has designed and, and, and created us marvelously and perfectly in his image. The church is a, is a unified whole. It's one body, but yet we are distinct within that one body and we're individual members. And he goes on to say, so we being many are one body in Christ and every one member is one of another. You know, in the body of Christ, there's unity, but it's not uniformity. We're not all the same. You know, there's diversity within the church. We all look different. We come from different places. We all have different experiences, different backgrounds. We just spoke about the different giftings. You know, there's diversity among us. You know, everyone here tonight, this is what I love about when we go out and we're soul winning, trying to reach others. Everyone here today has a unique testimony. You have God shown grace to you in different ways. You have different people around you. You have different experiences. And you have something so unique that you may be the only person that can reach certain people. And you've been gifted in that way. And we're all different. And we make up this one body of believers. Such a powerful tool that we have in witnessing a changed life. We see it in the Apostle Paul's life and the transformation that he experienced. And people all around were saying, isn't that Saul? Isn't that the one throwing people in jail? Isn't he the one persecuting? And look what he's doing now. And we all have that testimony tonight where we can say, look how Christ has changed my life. Look what he has done in my life. There's diversity in the church, but there's also unity. And these different parts form a whole. And that whole has a unifying center, which is Jesus Christ. We are part of the body of Christ. So Paul here is saying, let, let all of this, this transformed living, flow into the body of believers, into our life and how we 
uh, interact with believers and how we, uh, how we make up this body of believers. You know, when we think about ourselves as an individual, we affect the whole body. When we make decisions based upon ourselves, when we, when we do things as an individual, we're affecting the body of believers. You know, you think about when you're not in attendance, you're, you're not at church, you're missed. You're, you, people notice that. You, they want to know how you're doing. You know, when we're not serving together, when we're not encouraging one another, maybe it's something causing division in the church, backbiting, things like that, talking about people. These individual decisions affect the whole body. When one part is hurting, it affects the rest of the body. You know, it's the same is true in your own body. When you have an ache and pain and soreness, somewhere it affects your whole body, it affects your whole day, it affects your whole mood. And the same is true when a part of the church is hurting, the rest of the church is affected by that. And we should be, through the grace of God, helping one another, encouraging one another. You know, when a part of your body is hurting, you don't neglect it. What do you do? You take care of that. You go get it checked out. You nurture it. You take care of that issue. And the same is true in the church. When, when someone's hurting, when someone's in need, we should be taking better care of it. We need to care for those in the church who need it most. We need to be giving ourselves one to another. We need to be reaching out to those that are sick, not feeling well. We need to be reaching out to the elderly, to those mourning, to those who have fallen and need to be shown grace. You know, I went out and I visited someone this week, uh, one of the seniors, and, and they need people to visit them. And he shared, you know, there's people in the church, and I'm so thankful, uh, people in the church that God has gifted you to reach out and encourage people. And he shared with me, you know, these are the people, they, they, they check up on me, they call me, they ask me how I'm doing, and that's encouraging. And we ought to be taking care of those around us. We need to be helping those who are mourning. We need to be helping those who have fallen and need to be shown grace by other believers. We need to be showing those uh, uh, showing those things in the body because of the grace shown to us, reminding each other about the grace that God has shown to us and living in light of it together. I hope today that as a believer here, you are trying to live a life as a redeemed person. I hope you have a desire to live a transformed life. I hope that you examine your heart and you say, this is where God has touched my life and has shown me grace, and I'm going to live in light of that grace that has been shown to me. I'm going to live based upon what Jesus Christ did for me. You know, we had Easter Sunday a few weeks ago, and that's always a great reminder. We're so encouraged and we're reminded about what Christ did on the cross, but what about the rest of the year? Are we living in light of the cross always? You know, we had that great reminder from the choir this morning, the shadow of the cross, living in the shadow of the cross. You know, are you going to be living your life based upon what Christ had done for you? I hope today you have that desire to live a transformed life. Not on anything that you can do, but everything here is based all upon what God has done for us. It starts in our personal life. It starts with us saying, okay, God, based upon your mercy, yes, I'm going to give myself a living sacrifice, which is my reasonable service. It's saying, yes, God, I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind and not be conformed to the world and the system that's out there. And it's living in light of grace that Paul has talked about. And to think soberly, to think about what God has dealt us and what is given to us and making sure that we're living this out and not only 
experience it in their personal life, but living it as with other believers as well. And it stems into the church. I hope today that as a believer that we all would be challenged to step it up. You know, in light of what God has done for us, I feel like we come so short of what we should be doing for him. And I hope tonight that it is your desire that you're going to say, yes, tonight I'm going to live my life based upon the grace that's been shown to me and upon the mercy that's been given to me already. Let's pray this evening.